Welcome, craft beer fans, to the Bruise Line Roadshow. I'm your host, Daryl, and today we're in beautiful Elwood, Indiana. Elwood's a small town about an hour north of Indianapolis with a great history and a great sense of community. Elwood is the home to one of the first auto manufacturers, the Elwood Haynes Automobile Company, and it has a rich heritage in manufacturing beautiful glass. As a matter of fact, they host the Elwood Glass Festival. The community spirit in Elwood is second to none, whether cheering on local sports teams or, or attending community events. Elwood has a lot to offer for a small town, including Tarnished Hollow Brewing, which we'll be visiting today. So let's get after it. Okay, so we're with Brendan Holder from Tarnished Hollow Brewery. Um, we're going to get a little insight into uh, his story. It's certainly an intriguing story. Some of you may be familiar with it. Brendan did, think, did things a little bit different. Um, a lot of a lot of breweries will open up and then go to a lot of uh, a lot of the uh, festivals and so forth. But Brendan, you kind of did it in reverse order. So, That's what kind true. of inspired you to get into the uh, into the brewery business? Uh, well, uh, up until my whole story, you know, is like up until I was 26, I didn't really drink alcohol or consume anything. You know, I was kind of a strictly academic mind at the time and I dedicated a lot of the resources and time in that in my twenties. And we got part of another business venture. It was an unrelated venture that was going to be craft beer is going to be a significant component to that. And so I wanted to obviously be educated and know what I was involved in, in terms of the business side of that that industry and so I grew up you know around some people who just couldn't couldn't hold their alcohol properly oh my and uh, so it was kind of it was just a kind of a frown on thing in my family and so I hadn't I hadn't given much mind to it I didn't care if anybody drank it wasn't like it was a moral thing for me or anything um, but then what ended up happening was as I, I read and educated myself on the craft beer world I really fell in love with the science of it all and so the just from fermentation and things like that, reading all of the literature, we we tallied it up probably a month ago at the tap room when someone asked me. And we probably, it was about six months to a year of just pure reading and research before I ever like put beer into the world, like tried making beer. Um, and so what I fell in love with and everything was the science, I ended up realizing all these scientific concepts and stuff that I learned in like middle school and high school that as a kid, you don't care about that. You don't have a tangible real world way to absorb that kind of information. Just like a lot of our education stuff is. Mm -hmm. But when I read and went through all that research and literature, it was like it all finally, all those scientific principles and everything clicked for me. And so I fell in love with the science behind it. Once we started, actually we opened our, our previous venture. Um, I got into, just meeting all the breweries around here that we were buying from. We were an Indiana specific craft beer tap room at that time. And so I met them all just enjoyed finding out what was good beer, bad beer. Like we, we tried a, a ton of different things and I was in charge of purchasing for that. And so I kind of cut my teeth very quickly on that, that side of things. And, um, then before my daughter was born and some things transpired and stuff. And I, I left that venture, um, in about 2018-19 and from that point on though I had fallen in love with the brewing and that kind of aspect and so I decided I was going to take some time off recoup figure out where to go from there spend time being a dad and spend time with my family and then 
the next step was going to be starting a brewery of some sort. And so from there, we, you know, we had connections with Indiana on tap and things like that. Um, they kind of knew where I was planning on trying to go after that. And so they were the first ones who extended me an invite to a homebrewers only event that they had down in Indy. And basically, literally from that moment, um, the rest was all kind of history, you know, with the festivals and the four years we did of those and going from there. Yeah. Now, um, you're up in Elwood, Indiana. Not many people know a lot about Elwood, um, but why Elwood? Really, it comes down to location, location, location. Um, it, it's obviously it's one of those communities that you said not a lot of people know a lot about. Um, but I grew up in Huntington. We went to Indianapolis a lot, so as kind of the thoroughfare, I, I became familiar with that. Um, world there and so one of the requirements after having had meetings and and looking at buildings and things like that over the three and a half years we were doing so to kind of figure out the next step for the brewery being close to my house being close to where my family was was important uh, largely because I still had a young kid at the time and she's still young but older now more self-sufficient um, I just I didn't want to miss out on both things you know I learned a lot in previous ventures in my 20s I learned just what was important and how to kind of set those healthy boundaries so proximity was one of the main things the affordability low overhead things like that were also very important to me um, not only is Elwood affordable to operate in you know as a startup but also you are very centrally located. So you're located easily from Kokomo, Marion, Wabash, Indianapolis, Noblesville. If you don't mind driving 30 minutes, you can pretty much get there from any of those neighboring communities and counties. And so that's what we've actually found, you know, is a lot of our customer base, probably well over 60% of our customers are driving up from Indianapolis or over from Anderson and things like that. So in, in terms of wanting to become some kind of positive stimulus, that it's a good thing because we're bringing people who tell me, you know, we've never set foot in Elwood or I forgot about you're, this place. You're, you're and, here with one right now. <laughs> exactly. And oh. so it, it was... I mean, it was that, like a lot of people, you know, have the warm fuzzies kind of thing, like, oh, it's so much opportunity I needed. And it's just, it was location, man. Like, yeah. I'm very, very straightforward, factual, that kind of a mindset. And so when the numbers worked, the location worked, things like that, it, when we had the momentum we had going after three and a half years, it was, it was a good opportunity to pursue there and kind of plant the roots and start out. Yeah, so tell tell me a little bit about the name, about Tarnished Hollow. You know, the logo and the name has become a little bit legendary. And it, uh, so tell me where that came from. What decide? What did you do to decide to go down that path? Um, it's always intriguing to figure out what people are naming their breweries. So it started as a kind of an unofficial ode to my psychology education in college. I I mean I don't use it for a lot of things these days, but <laughs> In those instances, it was kind of the, the, the holler, you know, the hollow, um, kind of the surreal, weird places of, of literature, the human experience, things like that um, coming together. And the skull being philosophical for me. I, I was a philosophy buff, too. Um, Hamlet, you know, in literature, staring at his friend's skull and, and pondering existence. And then our logo with the tree and the autumnal leaves falling off of it. It's that life and growth and doing things between the bookends of birth and death. 
more or less. Um, so yeah, it's, it's very heady. Some people come in, they just want to crush a pilsner or something. And then they ask that question, they end up regretting it. And, uh, you know, it's kind of a nerdy bookworm thing to do, but yeah. that's where the name and the logature kind of came from that of like the human mind, those surreal things and experiences or, or those under irrational fears, those things is that dark corner of our mind, the tarnished hollow, of our experience wow that's a little bit more than i bargained for. <laughs> but you and everybody else no that, that, <laughs> that's super cool i mean i think you're right a lot of people probably just go wow man that's a cool skull logo you know very but, much so. but there's more to it and that and, and that's usually what, what we find so you had a pretty long path uh to getting in and getting the doors open Talk a little bit about the challenges. I think a lot of people think, oh, you're a home brewer, you just go in, people love your beer, and it's easy. Right. Uh, talk a little bit about the challenges, because you certainly had some resilience along the way. There's a lot of challenges. Your, your first one, when you decide to make that jump into, um, you know, into I want to go pro or I want to I do this professionally or commercially, is you, you find there's a lot of people that have money but no vision and so a lot of there's a lot of those government kind of meetings you have where they want to throw some money at you or something like that but there always comes a time where there's expectations tied to that or their their vision is not the same and so things like that so we waded through a lot of that um a lot of people who had just empty buildings that would have cost a fortune to renovate and we're just economically I got right in at the beginning of COVID. We started doing the festivals and stuff like that in 2020, 2019. And just economically, that didn't make sense to me. It's not that I wanted to be cheap or have some kind of cheap mindset, but I wanted to you know, have affordability and not be burdened that three weeks of your income is going to go towards your rent or something like that. And so that was the initial kind of hurdle, um, wading through those kinds of ideas and people and meetings. Um, you face a lot of resilience from inside the industry when you're kind of a nobody showing up to these events as a just a wannabe. That's I felt like I was pretty pretty big stuff a couple times, you know. And we've always had those long lines at festivals, and so when I need the encouragement, I, those are the moments that I remember. And I, I when I felt like a big dog, um, but then you come home, you know, and you're back to the computer, back to the business plan, back to looking for a spot, and things like that that make sense for you. 99% of the other times, not when you're feeling good and you're a rock star. That's what I always equated it to. We were a band out here on the road selling merch, selling our teas because we couldn't get paid for the beer. And we were just, we were on an adventure, man. We'd set up our table, we'd sing our songs, all the hits, and then we loaded up the van and had to figure out how to make everything else work the rest of the time. And you had to be your own roadie on top of oh, that. Oh, yeah, 99% of the time, man. I had a couple reliable people who followed me around. But, yeah, it's that, that was what it, I would say one of the bigger struggles, you know, from someone who's very, like, in tuned mentally with what goes on inside myself was those moments of, like, all right, I got this endorphin high. Now what do, where do we go from here, you know? Every fall would hit when festivals were over, and you're kind of like, I have all this momentum. We just did 17 festivals and people like lines were out the gate there. And it's like, what do you do with it? Right. And so that was, that was one of the main things, you know, was site selection and things like that and figuring out where the money comes from. Those are pretty much akin to all small business ventures. And so end of the day, if you've navigated small business before, you kind of know how. Some of the same challenges. Yeah. Yep. 
Um, so now that now you're you know you're opened up, you're in the community. What are some of the things that you're doing or thinking about doing to connect with the, a little bit more with your community? A lot of sponsorship opportunities come our way, and so not to sound again, I'm very straightforward when it comes to business kinds of things and how my brain operates. And so we were just approached um, about the local high school cheerleading, um, things like that, sponsoring those uniforms. And when I had my previous venture, you know, we had a, an Anheuser-Busch sales rep that was there. He was one of our regulars, and he'd kind of made the jump to craft beer and just loved craft beer after years of selling AB InBev. So he always said, you know, he had these meetings with these corporate guys, and they were like, well, why are you selling your beer for this much of a 12-pack when you could sell it for way less? And his whole thing was – it's advertising, it's marketing, it's it's integrating yourself with your customer base and your community so that when the bud truck rolls up at an event or something, that's what those extra dollars pay for. So that's kind of been the guiding principle for me is I, I'm, I'm not the type to go just sit in on meetings and like willy-nilly just, woohoo, yeah, let's go change this vote on something. Like mm -hmm. I'm not usually inclined to do that. It's just the rest of my life is dedicated to my family outside of the brewery. But, uh, yeah, sponsorships, things like that. We sponsored the elementary school color run and stuff like that. So what that does is it not only puts our, our name and our business out there, but it also gives me a chance to interface with those people leading those organizations one-on-one. -on -one. Um, so whether it's like softball or the cheerleading team or things like that, it's, it's a really cool experience because you get to have a 20, 30-minute conversation with them about – what exactly is going on in their neck of that community and what their needs are. And so that's, that's kind of what I want to pursue, you know, is it's not schmoozing anybody or anything like that or trying to get on, Hey, I want to get on every board I can be a part of and every organization. That's just, that's not just how run, I work. Run yourself ragged. Doing right. That as well. And so that direct interaction and being able to like help, provide uniforms or sponsor events that give elementary school kids things to do and stuff like that. That's more important to me as a business owner, whether it's elementary school kids, obviously who can't drink alcohol for a very long time. I just, I think that there's a long history of breweries in a local community having positive impact on their immediate surroundings back to not primitive, but Germany and medieval times and things like that. Like a lot of, a lot of beer brewed in churches, my friend, mm -hmm. a lot of beer brewed in churches. Uh, so, Paint us a little picture. Um, I'm a uh, I'm found my way into Elwood, and I walk into your tap room. What can I expect as a, as a patron, as a customer coming into the tap room? What's that experience going to look like for me? It's a very cozy tap room. Um, there's we've got 25 person occupancy, so it's not huge by any means, but it does repeatedly get labeled as cozy by everybody you know i've got a buddy of mine it's more akin to an irish pub you know where you're in these hillside small towns and these pubs and everybody's kind of just sitting around talking and so you know we don't have we don't have a tv right now for games or anything like that um whether that changes or not i don't know everybody so far has kind of enjoyed the fact that it's a dedicated place where they can come you sit at a two-top table with your buddy and you can talk for an hour or two while drinking. You can sit at the bar and you can have a one- or two-person comedy show, depending on who's behind the bar, um, that kind of nonsense that happens. Um, but, yeah, we've got a nice little small cold room, 
Um, it's got 10 taps. They're not all full right now. I'm working on the logistics of that. But we just want to give you the best of what we can produce. And then if you don't like beer, we do have ciders, and we'll add wine there in the coming months. Um, so just I wanted – that's what I always kind of wanted was a intimate – small experience and i think even if we moved production off-site somewhere else having those one to two small tap rooms goes a lot further in facilitating relationships whether it's me or it's one of my staff members sure. with our customers um than anything else than being a conglomerate that just like spews out a five thousand square foot space and it feels cold and it feels empty you're never going to have that because even if it's just two or four people in the tap room you're going to feel like there's some life and energy and electricity there that's that's great i appreciate that um so talk to me just a little bit about the beer you know what are some of the some of the things that are unique to the beer you brew um you know what are some of the favorite ingredients you have we w wouldn't be a good beer podcast if we didn't talk about mm, right. beer so so i guess talk to me about your flagships talk to me about the stuff that really excites you or has excited you in the past in terms of the beer i am kind of one of those that my reputation precedes me for the weird and way out beers um, we've won way out fest at pax virum and lapel two years in a row now with a large majority of the votes um i've i've kind of been labeled into that corner now and so some people might roll their eyes at that but i do really enjoy traditional beers as well um where i'm very excited right now you know with the commercial brewing it was just this huge step up for me um at home you know home brewing is its own thing but being able to control the temperature more and have all the equipment that we have now uh i've been personally very impressed and surprised by myself because I'm my harshest critic, um, that the ESB, the Pilsner, the West Coast IPA styles that I got bored brewing at home because it's like everybody's doing this, um, have really taken off in the tap room. They're not necessarily our, always our best sellers, um, but the people who just like a beer have really flocked to it um, from within the community and outside of the community. And so I will say on that front of the beer, the more traditional styles, I am very pleased and excited about how they've come out now that we can take it up and ramp it up to the next level. You know, I feel like we're really turning out some good traditional styles. The weird stuff is coming. Um, there are blowout beer in December was the Grinchy Grin, which is a peppermint white chocolate uh, and vanilla soft serve smoothie sour. And it just, it sounds stupid, and it kind of is, but, man, people ate it up. And it was exciting to see the just like, oh, there's glitter in here and that kind of stuff. And yeah. so, yeah, the, the weird and unconventional things are what I tend to lean more toward because it keeps me fresh. It keeps me on my toes. And how else are you going to learn how to not brew an infected beer than learning how to sanitize bacon and throw it into your smoked imperial Whoa. porter with maple syrup and stuff like that? And so... I'm really excited about some of those we've got once we kind of make it through. I, I brewed it safe, the first wave of beers that we made for opening, um, and we've it's been great reception for that. But I'm excited to kind of turn some stuff loose. You know, we've got the Oops All Berries Smoothie Sour thing that's coming out and just just weird stuff that's on the horizon, and that's that's what excites me as, a, I guess, an explorer, an experimenter. Yeah, and, you know, based on, on just kind of what inspired you, I, that makes a whole bunch of sense, right? The, the creative side of it, um, the psychological side. Um, any, uh, 
Any other types of plans that you have going forward? I mean, we talked a little bit about the community. We talked a little bit about some of the fun beers. What's on the horizon for Tarnished Howl? I think right now one of the immediate things that I hope to kind of get sorted out and remedy is increasing our carryout options for cans. Um, we've had I just I, I joined the cynical voices that don't love glass growlers and that kind of a world. So we we just don't fill. I have some old little howlers we fill for some of my old time fans who've been a fan for forever. Um, they got it as part of a crowdfunding thing and but I'm not churning those out to the masses. And so being able to have cans ready to go was a whole new revenue stream with the Grinchy Grin. That was our first experiment to kind of test the canning. Um, and it just, it, it blew up, man. Like we sold four, four packs to one customer who, who loved the beer. Um, a lot of people I'd never even seen in the tap room from out of town or in town that went, came in and said, Oh, we heard you had cans and cause they only drink at home. And so that's something I guess, I'm guilty of. I drink a lot, you know, mostly just at home of my rare stuff or the sure. specialty things. I just, as a business owner, I never thought that. I thought, oh, you'd go and you'd grab a sample and you'd then you'd maybe grab a four pack if you liked it when you left. But there's a whole subset of people, so increasing our canning and carry out options through that will be important. Um, working on uh, our hop water build out for the people who are doing dry January or just non-alcoholic drinks in general. Um, I'm not huge on NA beers, but given the hop water people, you know, I enjoy the liquid death waters Mm -hmm. that exist. And so I see where the appeal of that is on a hot summer day, if you don't want to drink or something. So we're, we're working on getting those out there as well. Those will be in cans. And then I think the next kind of big step is either solving our, current bottleneck in the cold cooler problem that I have, or uh, pretty much we're looking at offsite cold storage and then also increasing our production. Um, Cause right now there's a half a dozen to a dozen different tap rooms who would carry our stuff. But at one and two barrel batches, you're just not at a place where I want to run out of a beer on my lines because I sold a keg or two to my buddies. And so I would, I mean, I could have a whole nother barrel or two barrels or three dedicated to carry out and distro. And so that's kind of the future, figuring that out in a reasonable, my usual financially stingy way that (laughs) doesn't, doesn't make me eat my lunch, but. Okay. It's a moment of truth. Uh, Let's, uh, let's try some beer. What do we got today? So this is our three, eight special ESB. It was uh, originally brewed for my buddy who traveled internationally a lot. Uh, his, he would always talk about going to Europe, you know, going to the UK, I guess. And ESB was always his go-to. And so his birthday is March 8th. And so the three, eight special kind of was created with that in mind for originally brewed for his birthday. And then from that point on, it's apparently it's gained a fan base that I didn't anticipate through festivals and through the tap room. So, well, you, you know, again, ESB is not you know you go to a lot of the lot of the breweries and everybody loves the IPA. Um, you don't always see a lot of the porters. You don't always see a lot of the ESBs and and I again getting back to your crazy stuff too. I think that's the again the joy of of craft brewing is mm-hmm. you can you can do what you want, do the things people like. Um, but you're not a slave to having the same flavor every single time. So let's give it a shot. Cheers. Cheers. Oh, yes. Mm. Mm -mm -mm. 
a little bit lighter in flavor than I thought it would be. Very much um, so. But uh, the the uh, the malt is is right there. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I think I'll have a little bit more. Well, hey, I wanna I wanna thank you for spending some time with us on the Bruise Line Roadshow. No problem. Um, what a great story! Great story of of going from not even thinking about alcohol to being a, a, a student at school of psychology and then finally getting to uh, apply the third grade science, uh, <laughs> right. something you love. So uh, <laughs> we look forward to uh, great success for you. I'm sure this won't be the last time we get together. For sure. Um, but uh, again, I thank, I, I thank you a ton for, for helping us get this uh, podcast kicked off and uh, looking forward to uh, getting back up to the tap room soon. For sure. Thanks. We look forward to having you.